Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email piercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, Metalheads, after going to a Rager, what's your ultimate go-to? Mine is totally pizza. So when Overload is playing or I'm promoting the Metal Forge Live showcases or the big goddamn metal show, I go to Pizza Donisi. Pizza Donisi is gourmet artisan pizza from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It features things like the pizza of the month, the sandwiches, and also vegetarian and vegan options, which is so totally fucking cool for all, all of it's It's awesome pizza. You definitely want to go. Hey, and also, from time to time, they do cannolis. Oh, so fucking good. You know what they said, man. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, just like that in Godfather. They're located right next to the Mag Bar at 1396 South 2nd Street. So either stop in or call in at 502-213-0488. They're open till midnight. The witching hour. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Hey, metalheads, you all hear me talk about Magbar all the time. It is the home to the Metal Forge Live showcases and is an integral stop in the ultimate underground metal tour schedule. They obviously feature live music, but the Magbar also has daily specials like Pint and Slice Night on Tuesdays with Pizza Donisi. But they also do Bring Your Own Vinyl on Thursdays with DJ Kent Jackson. And Finer Things Sundays. Located right next to Pizza Donisi at 1398 South 2nd Street. Open 3 p.m. to 4 a.m. seven days a week. Get your asses out to the Mag Bar. Rock out. For 45 years in keeping Louisville weird, Electric Ladyland has been there for all your eccentricities. While they do offer the best smoking supplies out on the market today, there's a whole lot more to check out. From ashtrays and blacklight posters, to records, incense and burners, and items to stock your metaphysical supply. They're open from 10 to 10, 7 days a week. Located at 2325 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky, and at electricladyland420.com. Roll out. 
What's going on, Metalheads? Thank you for tuning in this week to The Metal Forge. My name is Mark Jackson, and I am your host. Dudes, like, uh, before we get into it, I am going to say that Mr. Jason Gardner is here, and he is actually part of the interview today. So uh, we're just waiting on uh, David to come into the into the Zoom session here. Yeah, man, so... Uh, Dude, we're uh, we're gonna talk to him about stealing stone and some other stuff, but let's talk about this past weekend at the big goddamn metal show. I want to fucking talk about that for a minute because holy fucking shit, it came, it conquered, it was fucking there, man. It was such a fucking banger. Like I cannot fucking believe like how awesome uh, both nights were, you know. And, you know, it's about 150 people between both nights, and I'm, like, totally fucking awesome with that, you know? That's a pretty stout fucking deal for a, a one-year thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, I think your name now is Mark Moneybags Jackson. Oh, shut Mayor, up with that. Mark Don't Mayor. say that shit. But, uh... No. No, dude, it's a good turnout, man. Like I said, I mean, if you... That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's all about Like, I, I'm... I'm proud of it. I ain't had anything to do with it. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, yeah. dude, you like talk the shit up out of it and everything. Like you posted on the fucking the DWP shit, and you posted on fucking you know the Leo shit for the fucking local uh, uh, paper here, the art paper, and fucking like you you totally talked that shit up, and you were just like, hey, what about the big goddamn metal show? How could you leave that out, motherfuckers? Yeah. You right. know. And you, you would even tag fucking a couple of times both event pages. And, and dude, that's fucking awesome. And so, yeah, you, you did have a vested interest in it. Because it's like, you know, your friends care, you know? Well, like I said, I just get tired of all these festivals. Like, knowing legitimacy to most people is like, if it has names you recognize. And, like, well, why not just take a chance and go see... I mean, you don't recognize it. Maybe you become a fan. Why? What's what? I mean, it's a fifteen-dollar gamble versus three-hundred-dollar gamble for a bringing that event. Uh, fifteen dollars seems like a pretty safe bet to me. I don't really get people's mentality on why they just frown upon stuff they don't know about. It's like if, it, if they never heard of it, it's not good. It's like that's right. the dumbest, I think the dumbest mindset that you could ever ask for. for and unfortunately, that's most music. Right. To me, the thing about it is too. It's like you know. A lot of your friends are in these bands, so fucking come see them, you know? Spend the fucking money, uh, you know, it's not a big investment, you know, and just do the fucking thing, man. Just, like, have a good fucking time. 
And I know that's what you're doing it for, is to have a good fucking time, you know? Right. I mean, because it's nothing we're all getting rich at. Yeah, man. Like I said, I mean, yeah, I can't beat this in the ground enough, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you have friends that play in bands, just go out there and pay the door and go see them. See the other band. Maybe become a fan. Just like it's how, that's how stuff grows and grows Dude, and grows. I'm going to give a fucking shout out right now. Uh, Matt Holthauser, uh, if you're out there listening right now, hit me the fuck up. Uh, send me your fucking email or something. Send me a message. Do something. Find me because I, dude, I'm going to send you some some shit. Because, yes, that dude bought a Forge Pass and never even came. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a... If you're listening, dude, I mean, yeah, thanks for buying it. That's yeah, bad. dude, like, I don't know if it's just like he, he, it was just the support of the fucking metal scene or, or what, you know? I mean, something could have happened to you, you never know. Yeah, I mean, but like, I, I want to totally want to make it up to that guy right. <laughs> because it's like, that's how, how I am, I guess, you know? You never know what happens. Fuck. But dude, we're going to listen to some Twisted Tower Dire. What do you want to listen to? Oh, I'm going to say go with the classic uh, Acts as an Honor off of uh, their best album, in my opinion, which we would uh, hopefully talk about this episode, which is the uh, Crest of the Martyrs album from, I think, 2005? Dude, yeah, uh, 2003, I believe. Um, yeah. And I just listened to it in its entirety, and I was just like... <sighs> Wow, this is so fucking cool. Still so fucking cool. It's definitely, uh, I hate saying the word, uh, seminal album. It's a classic. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like if if we could get like a classic album series of underground rock mm-hmm. and underground metal and shit, this would totally be that album. Yeah, the thing about Twisted Tower is like they were like on the forefront of like the trad metal before it became like a thing now. Right. Like they're like the grandfathers of it doing it back in 2000 when these it was all plays these grandpa's guitars. Yeah, when it was all like when it was all like new metal and and stuff like that was a right. great and just, and that's the real. thing too that like what we were talk what I want to talk about is like you know how things have changed because they had been around this whole, entire time consecutively putting out EPs and albums and singles and all of this and you know they didn't have that quote resurgence like a lot of their predecessors might have had and right. like you know the exciters and um like raven for example is a prime candidate for that raven never really had a resurgence they've been going the whole fucking time yep so but yeah man axes and honor it is
metalheads, this week is fucking awesome because, again, Jason Gardner is here and he is the promoter of Steel and Stone Fest in Asheville, North Carolina at The Odd. This year is the seventh year. Obviously, Overload is playing. We talked about that to fucking no end. Jason keeps plugging it on on the show here. Jason, I'm going to let you introduce this week's guest because who are they? Well, it's only singular, actually. But nonetheless, I'm pretty excited because the lead guitar player for the headliner, Twisted Tower Dyer, is joining us on the Metal Forge this week. Holy shit, does he have a name? <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, <laughs> you caught me on the spot. And you know how I get when I'm on the spot. Yeah, you fucking make notes and don't read them. You well, lose them. I didn't make a note of his name. I thought you were going to handle that. So, yeah, I, I just know David. <laughs> yeah, Mr. David Boyd. Dude, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, dude. Like, dude, you, the headlining spot in Steel and Stone 7, fucking uh, your only North Carolina and possibly only actual appearance this year, right? Yeah, that is the case. Yep. Unless somebody pulls a fast one here, that's what it's looking like. <laughs> Damn, man. This is fucking awesome because... You know, Jason has told me about you guys and 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 let me listen to some of it. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, wow. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. Definitely. Jason, yeah. so tell everybody why you wanted to what what made you select Twisted Tower for the headline spot? Well, actually I have I've had them in mind for a while now, but um it will always seemed like there was something that popped up that worked um and i could just hold them hold them for later so um this year i was like you know what i'm i'm actually gonna get twisted this year i don't i don't care who else hits me up or what works out as far as touring goes and if they say no i'll look elsewhere and i asked them back in like i think it was like march so yeah they've been they've been had this uh, show booked for like when the show happens i think like nine months it'll be um kind of like handshake agreement or, you know, verbal agreement, basically. Um, so, yeah, Wait, then I just Isn't that great? That's the whole music them. business, isn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then I just started building the lineup underneath them. Um, so I was like, you know, I want fast, uh, traditional metal-inspired bands, you know, uh, but all of them are a little bit different. So, like, you know, there's Children of the Reptile uh, from Wilmington who are very uh, traditional-inspired, but also huge fans of Twisted Tower. So that's really cool that they're, you know, uh, influenced by them. And then we have um, Oblivion Throne, who is like a newer uh, thrash band here from the area. Uh, obviously, Overload, who also plays thrash music. Um, I don't know All about Hell. that. <laughs> All Hell is like a speed punk <laughs> uh, metal band. And then um, and then us, who is like a power uh, slash doom inspired band. So right. You, I think bands, you have uh, a little bit of that swamp, that that like Georgia swamp tone in there. A well, little like bit. The, Not a lot, but a little bit. I can hear it. We're like in the Doom tuning, which is like C or C standard because of our because of Micah's vocals. 
Um, so that like automatically like, lumps us into like that kind of genre, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think we're I don't really think we're true like doom or stoner by any means. We Absolutely. have riffs that will fit in there, but like if we're we're like a, a major hybrid band. Definitely. And I just kind of geeked out for a second because I didn't realize this when we were talking about like you know various things that uh, Dave, you're also in uh, Vulture. With Ryan and Nick. That's right, yeah. Which is awesome. And I was just like, I actually have the sticker on my door over here. <laughs> where that I had, great. <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've had Ryan on. the He's in the archives. So, yeah, he's been okay. on before as well. So, fuck yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. So, holy shit. I am, I don't know. So, you know, why the long break, I guess? Because of this being the only show this year. Was it just... Uh, life or or what yeah it's definitely life um yeah i was thinking about this today when i was driving to another band's practice um i can talk about that later too but uh like they're gonna ask me why we don't play shows more often why we're not doing more stuff what are we gonna say and and um i, I think the best way to say it is that uh i think the number one thing is that we're geographically challenged because we have uh i live in richmond virginia Three of the guys are two-hour drive south in Raleigh, and then Mark, our drummer, is two hours north of me in Northern Virginia. So it's it's and with everyone being the age we are, and you know, there's kids and jobs, and it's just it's really hard to get together, even just to rehearse and, and write music together anymore. Um, I mean, we're still doing things, we're still hanging on, and we're we're doing the best we can, but it's it's weird because I, I when you're younger. You, you have less responsibilities, you know, right. you probably don't have a career yet. You probably don't have kids. Um, when we first started the band, we just, no, that's all we did was the band. Um, and now we do a lot of other things. Um, the other guitarist, Scott's a marathon runner. He does like ultra marathons. Um, I do a lot of hiking camping and stuff like that with my free time. Um, there's other, other bands. Mark's in a band called Bominog, a death metal band. I'm in, Vulture, which isn't doing a whole lot at the moment, um, but I just uh, recently rejoined a band called uh, Heavy Penalty, and we're like a speed metal band. We're playing our first show on Saturday in Richmond, so we're excited about that. Hell yeah. Um, Jim and Johnny, uh, everybody's in other bands, so it's uh, it's easy to kind of fuck off and not do as much with TCD as we'd like, you know? Right. And <laughs> it's, it's always, the way I look at it is it's always when when it comes back to it. You know, yeah. it, it, you're there when it comes back to it. You know, for example, I've just recently joined another band for the first time ever playing in two different bands. I was always the guy fucking, this is my main priority. This is my goal. This is what I want this to do. And then, you know, I, this situation presented itself and I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. And what the fuck ever. And it's actually been, re- you know, one of the coolest experiences ever So uh, to date, you know, to just be able to sit back and relax and just be the bass player. You know, yeah, where it's someone else's, as, as he says, uh, it's a... Uh, He's like, I want, I want everybody to have a, have a say in this. And it's like, but it's your thing, dude. <laughs> it's always been your thing. Yeah. So you, you're you good, man. Whatever you want to do, you're good. <laughs> just let me yeah, know. Bands are interesting because uh, you know, people that don't play in bands think that you just kind of all get together. It's like a, you know, 
everything's copacetic. You just get together and practice, write music, and everything kind of flows. It goes well. And it's not like that at all. It's like being married to a bunch of bitchy other men, and you got to, you know, or <laughs> men and women, you know, uh, depending on who's in your band. And, and uh, yeah, there's relationships, there's conflicts, there's usually a leader of the band. Sometimes there's two people butting heads trying to, you know, battle it to out. Ship and, Sometimes there's no one to steer the ship, but it's, you know, every band kind of has its own dynamic. And, um, yeah, we are, has changed definitely through time and we're, uh, we're still doing it. So I guess we're doing something right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so here's a question out of the bands that you've been in and say you still play with cer- certain people. Okay. Um, have you ever been at fists with anybody else that you still currently play with today? Oh gosh, I don't think so. I remember that. There <laughs> <laughs> definitely been some blow ups. Um, I'm pretty mild mannered most of the time, but I kind of, I'm kind of like a tea kettle, you know. Like I'll, yeah, I'll sit there take so much, and, and then something will happen. I'll be like, "Son of a bitch!" and I'll just start freaking <laughs> out, and everybody's like, "Whoa, whoa!" Like. Where's this coming from? It's been coming for weeks, you know. I've been waiting to waiting for it to happen, and um, but no, no physical altercations, luckily that that's, I can remember. That's the Bob. Uh, I'm a wrestling fan, so that's the Bobby Eaton thing. <laughs> when Bobby, so you're Eaton, looking for a folding chair at practice. Like, where's that sitting so I can pick it up if I need it? <laughs> yeah, we fucking every time I pick up the chair, the fold chair at practice. Me and Mike go. He's got a chair, McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is actually, if I did it correctly, Jason, would be what? He's got a chair, McMahon. That would be uh, Sir, <laughs> Mr. Jesse Ventura. F- uh, former 38th governor of Minnesota, Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, definitely been at that a couple of times, and that usually ends the thing for the most part. But, you know, when when you get older and you come around and you're and you're just like yeah probably uh, shouldn't have been a dick or you know that always comes out too so jason have you yeah. ever i mean you've only been in a couple of bands have you have you ever like had you and micah been on, almost at each other no i've never been in an argument with micah about anything um but the band i was in before yeah me and the guitar player um got into it yeah <laughs> Did you punch him out? Uh, I actually fucking picked up my drums and threw it out of my way to get to him. Uh, the bass player. <laughs> top, <laughs> Please tell me it was at a show. Oh, no, it was a practice. God yeah, damn practice. it. It never, dude. That's one of the funniest things ever is seeing those videos of like the old men in the cover bands getting pissed at each other and they start <laughs> fucking like. Like you could tell one of them's aggravating the piss out of the other and he fucking has just gets enough and they catch it on video. And there was one where the fucking band still tries to play the other two members <laughs> while the drummer yeah. and the fucking bass player are kicking each other's ass. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it together. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. No, like anymore, man. Like, uh, I told Jason a while back that I reached my inner dudeism here about six or so months ago and i'm just like you know fucking roll on you know so fuck yeah Yeah. i try to be more like that these days um you know life's short as you get older you you start losing your friends and family and you kind of realize that 
you know, things that used to irritate and, you know, piss you off in the past aren't maybe, maybe aren't really that important, you know? Yeah. I found as I got older, like when I get like adrenaline rushes, I don't feel good afterwards. Like, so I just try to keep like low key. You Dude. Know? Like, it does something. Like, I don't know if it's like my heart's got weaker since I've got older or whatever, just from you know, natural use or whatever. But like, if you get like a big adrenaline rush, especially like, like an angry one, like you want to fight or something, mm-hmm. after you like come down off it, you're just like, man, I just don't feel right. You know, it's like, you just like, don't feel right the rest of the day. <laughs> Dude, you just you said that, and I'm and I'm getting like the David Attenborough fucking uh, narration. And now, as you see, after his huge rage of energy, the lion he falls down, and and he cannot take it anymore. You know, that's totally what I got out of that. Uh, Very descriptive. I dig it. And you're fuck yeah, man. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Dave, um, mm-hmm. so coming into the band, you know, a couple years after the the beginning, essentially, how has music evolved for you in the band of Twisted Tower Dyer versus '97 when you when around when you came in the band to 2023? How has how has like just anything like technology even how has that evolved for you all oh gosh i don't even know where to start (laughs) yeah that's a big one i mean because obviously in that day you were probably recording to dat tape Mm -hmm. or or even still even even then it could have been even just cassette tape rather you know like a tascam four track bouncing down shit yeah, we definitely did demos um, on four tracks and also like a boom box that Scott had. We plug in like a Radio Shack mic and just <laughs> yeah. in the right place, you know, in the practice oh, yeah. room. And, um, yeah, crazy stuff like that. And it's, you can get some surprisingly decent sounding stuff if you're, you know, willing to test and tinker and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, heights in the room, even. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we in one of our practice spaces, we had a fucking sprinkler that ran right through the middle of our ceiling. And dude, I hung up mics on there and like suspended <laughs> them across this way and across this way and just got like this weird like fucking like pew pew like thing. Yeah. And like and had the one in center and it was just so fucking cool. <laughs> so yeah. Jason, did you ever get to? Did you ever do stuff like that on cassette? Yeah, actually, um, I could tell you some dumb shit I used to do. Was um, <laughs> since I'm a drummer, that means I fail the guitar because who else would like do so much work to play a show? But um, when I was living by myself, um, I would like come up with, like these like guitar riffs I thought were good, um, you know, and I, I would record them onto a boombox. And then what I would do is I would take headphones and I would get I would get another boom box out and I would get headphones and listen to the riff and then record my drums onto another boom box. And then I would like play the tapes together to record them to another boom box to like try to get like an idea <laughs> to like give to the like, other band members. But for, and it's crazy as it sound, it actually worked. Dude. Because I would leave myself like I would leave myself plenty of time before I started. And then I would just like tap on something like and that would be like my metronome to know to start playing the drums to it, you know? And then like when I started playing them together, I would like put cues into start tape one and then a cue would come on to start tape two. 
and they were playing unison and record save three. Because I had no life back then. I always do weird shit like that. You know? Dude, that's uh, fucking hardcore. And let me yeah. tell you this. There was this chick that I had dated. And if I and I've said this story before, and I will I will beat this fucking dead horse until I can't any longer. Yeah. And it is that if if she instilled any piece of fucking knowledge into me other than the mm-hmm. fact of you know we just were not good together um was you will always find a way no matter what the technology is if you want it enough like you can't just sit there and say if if i could get this one particular camera i would film movies no motherfucker you film the movies with what you have and then you work up to that yeah you know and yeah recording fucking three fucking boom boxes together you know because that's what you had yeah that's fucking hardcore man I mean, like, I don't even know why I had three boom boxes. Like, I remember, I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember going out and like buying them for that reason. I just like had three boom boxes. Like, I, like one was a boom box, two were boom boxes, and one was like a, it was like one of those um like personal cassette recorders, like you would think like voice memos into. Like mm-hmm. that was the one I recorded the boom boxes into. Um, looking back, I should have mixed it a different way, like recorded on the best boom box <laughs> from the other two tapes with the best mic, but you know. Uh, he's gonna record he's gonna record his next practice this way you watch (laughs) oh yeah man (laughs) i still i still have my uh, fostex uh, four track uh, somewhere too you know that's pretty cool because i remember uh up until about a few years ago there's a really famous musician who still rebuilt his fostex four track that he recorded demos for their second album in 1984 on and anybody who gets that reference you know that i don't gotta put nothing in the cup (laughs) that's an inside joke anytime we mention certain people we gotta put money in the cup because there's the cup and where's the steel pick i used the last time and fooled everybody (laughs) Uh, but no, I mean, okay, so yeah, uh, recording demos on four tracks and stuff like that, and then going to studios and and recording on like dat tapes and shit. Do you all still have those? Do you all have those masters still? We don't, unfortunately, because uh, Scott's house burned down at some oh, point. No, and he lost like everything. We lost pretty much everything TCD had recorded at that point. He was like the gatekeeper, the main band guy that kept all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, artwork he can reproduce, things like that. But but yeah, any of the dats that we had um, burned up. But before that, we actually re-released our first album, reissued it. And um, Mark, our drummer and a friend of his, went back into the dat tapes before the fires or before the fire um, and converted all that to digital files and it was a complete mess from what he said. I was just talking to a friend about this last night because everything on the dad tapes are just somehow I know is like where all the pieces are and how they go together. Right. But when you pull it off the dad, it's just like a bunch of random files that are just like, you know, little squeaky guitar sounds and this and that and other. And you got to figure out like, what song is this even from? And then where in the song is it from? And 
it's, oh, it was wow. like a puzzle putting it all together, but he did it and he mixed it down and um, did a much better reproduction or remixing and remastering of our first album, which sounded like pretty much like dog shit, honestly, <laughs> originally. So it was nice to have something that had some clarity and there were parts that like you couldn't even hear in the mix or that weren't included for some reason, like by mistake, mm-hmm. that got put in. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, so we did get that, but everything else burned up. <laughs> Right on. And that's, that's a terrible thing. Cause yeah, I, I definitely know about the house fire shit and it sucks ass. I will say that. Um, yeah. but yeah, fucking. So do you have, uh, like original copies of everything still? Um, or do you collect what I'm saying is, do you collect an original, a copy of everything that y'all released? Yes, definitely. Um, and, and in some cases I have like, I have this right in front of me at arm's reach because uh, we're getting ready to um, reissue this on uh, Nameless Grave Records, but it's it's a uh, it's one of the original CDRs. I don't know if you can even see that, but yeah. CDRs from our second album, The Isle of Hydra. Um, it was not the final mix, but it was like very, very, very close to it, and mm-hmm. it's unmastered. So uh, I listened through it, and it, it sounded pretty intact. You know, there weren't any at that point. We were just kind of like you know, doing very small, minute changes. So it's not the exact final mix, but it's very, very close. So they were able to, uh, to remaster this. And it's, it's amazing. The bass guitar and the kick drums just like came out of nowhere, which is great because I always thought that the, the, it's a good recording, but it always had kind of like a thin sound to it. Now it's got plenty of ass. Um, our first bass player, Jim Murad's playing on there and you can hear like all this crazy overplaying fancy shit he used to play. And it's, it's like a whole different recording. It breathed like new life into it. So I'm real excited about that. Um, so things like that, I, I've tried to keep as much as possible. Um, and here's like the final actual album. And here's a version that was released in Germany. It does a terrible layout. Um, so yeah, I try to keep at least one copy of everything, uh, including like the demos that were recorded before I even joined the band. Um, I think I still have everything. Hell yeah. <laughs> I have to dig around a little bit, but yeah. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Because I, I know I like to do it as well. Like, even if I, I'll repress something and I'll press it a different way just because I can. Because it's like, okay, well, this is the this is the slimline jacket version. And this is the jewel case version. And this is the yeah. jewel case version with the original artwork. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the it's jewel. okay because uh, a lot of times you can make sure that people know there's not a first pressing too if you do different variants, slight variants, so people kind of know what they have. Yes, you know, and and I think yeah. a lot of bands do that anyways, just especially in the you know, especially in the market that we have now when you can get away with adding like a a live album onto a repress of a studio album that you had. Yeah you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And, and yeah, and it can for your fan base. Totally. It, it, yeah. it works for, and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, you were, you were saying like how, how have things changed over the years? Um, mm-hmm. you know, recording on boom boxes, using dad tapes and stuff. And then, um, I went to band practice tonight and our bass player recorded all of our tracks on his phone. I didn't even realize he was doing it. After practice, he sent them to me, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. We have pretty clear, decent recordings. A lot of them, you know, they're not perfect, but right. Um, 
decent recordings that are, you know, are, could easily pass as demos at any point in time. And that's just, you know, you, you're carrying that around with you everywhere. <laughs> it's like your own little recording studio in your pocket along with your computer and you know, everything else. Um, so yeah, technology has been, I remember when MP3s first came out and I thought that was like the most incredible thing. Um, oh yeah. And then, and then Napster came and, you know, we, Mark, especially in our band has a huge problem with like Spotify and, you know, it is strange to me that you release a new album these days and you have to put it up on YouTube so everybody can have it, even though it's like, well, we, you know, we got a little bit of money from the label for this, but we had to fill in the blanks with all of our money. Right. Who's going to cover that? You know, it's, it's hard to kind of recoup as a, as a smaller band, um, the money you put into the band. Um, our last album, I put a, I borrowed money to, to finish the recording and, uh, yeah, I just had to eat that. <laughs> It was yeah. a decent amount of money. What do you think the what do you think your highest grossing or highest selling album is? Um like pre like pre digital age. Um well Crest of the Martyrs would definitely be the one. That's kinda like right around the digital age, I guess. But uh yeah, that that was the only one that we actually had officially um like through real channels distributed in the United States, uh through Magic Records. Uh-huh. Um and we have, we recorded it in Germany, and you know, it, it, yeah, I, I don't know what the numbers are because we never really got a lot of numbers, like how many they sold of this or that or the other. Um, that's one of the weird things about working with a label that's not in your country, because they can just kind of not do certain things they're supposed to do and get away with it, because <laughs> there's no legal way to chase them, you know. Right. So we have no idea how many of those albums they sold, but um, I mean, at some point they were being they were like sitting in WalMarts in in the U.S., so it, you know. At least it was getting out there somewhere. Um, yeah, that, that one was definitely our, our most popular and, and uh, best distributed album worldwide. Yeah, I can't even find a copy of it anymore, like the original. I know I know you guys re, uh, issued the uh, remaster, the demos um, on vinyl. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the actual like Crest of the Martyrs, I can't even find it anywhere. Not, not even on Discogs or eBay. Um, wow. So yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day you guys, maybe you'll make enough money on this next show, you can afford to uh, repress that. There you go. <laughs> hey, that's... <laughs> hint, 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 hint. <laughs> uh, don't get your hopes up on the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the venue, the venue only holds a hundred, so uh, we're not <laughs> we're not looking at millions here. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Don't say that. I didn't expect anybody to come out to the big goddamn metal show. And you know fucking what, man? Fuck. I was fucking, like, floored with that fucking performance. From everybody. From the people who came out to the fucking... Every single fucking band that played. And everybody who fucking had a, had a part in it. From Steve at the fucking Mag Bar and Pizza Donisi, Phil, and fucking Destiny, and Jessica. Fuck yeah. Yeah, anybody who had a part in fucking helping out on that, man. And it was a great fucking... It was a like a fucking epic weekend. And with so much other shit going on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. we had Twisted in town. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just so you know, uh, you have uh, 1,097 monthly listeners on Spotify. I just pulled it up. I do? Oh. No. Um, <laughs> I know. They do. <laughs> yeah. And, and you and know, that's actually, 
we've purposefully kept some of our music off of Spotify because Mark like loses his mind over this. <laughs> it's, it's it's out of principle and stuff, um, and you know it's something we've talked about and haven't really. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of fifty fifty on it, honestly. Like I get what Mark says, but at the same time, it's like if if people want to hear our music and they're not going to pay for it, then they should just listen to it anyway. <laughs> right? Uh, because Wars in the Un- Unknown is not on Spotify. And I have that one on vinyl. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. my thing with the Spotify deal is like I get it, but like it's almost like a necessary evil at this point because yeah, they pay like a fraction of a cent. But you know, pan as Tom Jordan was talking about a, f- a few months back, Pandora is actually worse. They pay the very least out of everybody, yeah. even out of like title and shit like that. Yeah. So, and it's really like, you know, do you want people to hear it and be able to come to and and be able to, you know, actually develop a taste for the entire catalog because they can access it and, you know, totally turn over a new fan base. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's, that's my that's thing. thing too. For years, we were like, you know, when we first started it, traditional metal was kind of like dying or, or dead. You know, it was like the racehorse that was about to get put down on the track or something. That's what mm-hmm. it felt like anyway. And, um, obviously things have changed quite a bit. <laughs> There's a lot of new bands out there and we're kind of like the old shits that are trying to keep doing it. But you know, we're, it doesn't, it doesn't help us at all being curmudgeonous and, and, you know, saying we're not going to play by the new rules because, you know, we're old shits and we don't want to go along with that. Cause it's, it's just going to screw our band over. Um, there's plenty of competition. If you want to use that term, a lot of other bands to hear out there that are excellent, that are good at it. They're hungry. They're, you know, they're younger they're touring a lot. So it's, um, you know, the less our music is out there kind of in circulation, the, the less people are going to care about it. I guess that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. Is it? I, I dig that. Yeah, it's almost like I wonder why they don't, they don't use like the the movie theater model where it's like we release this premium product here first, and then later on, you know, when it's kind of like out of the zeitgeist, then we'll put it on all this stuff that doesn't make any money. Like let the let the product like make its money, like the like how theaters and stuff used to do. Yeah, like if you, had, if you subscribe to like, like Spotify Premium, and it like it would actually be a premium thing for the artist as well. Yeah, I'm not even talking about day release. I'm talking like three months later or something like that, you know, right. or six months. Yeah, because I mean, like looking at charts, like um, like back in the '90s, like you have a band like Anthrax, for example. Um, you know, they would sell like on Sound of White Noise. They sold like uh, you know, like hundred thousand copies the first week. It was like number twenty four on Billboard. You know, it was like crazy. Now it's like, oh yeah, Anthrax. They sold like uh, you know, four thousand copies of a new one, but like twenty five hundred was from streaming. So like basically, they didn't sell shit. And like right. they they they're like number like eight on Billboard, you know, with like four thousand copies sold. It's a it's like weird how like um because like when it's on YouTube and like you can listen to it three days early before it comes out, no one's gonna buy it if it's already out, you know. Right. So, so it's like I don't know why I don't know why labels just like give their stuff away and then bitch about no money comes in, you know. So that's just yeah, it's kind of weird. It, at times it feels like everybody's kind of like mixed up and doesn't understand what the fuck's going on. <laughs> you know, nobody does. Nobody does. this plan to do this shit this way, you know? 
Yeah, it's like I don't know who I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but I mean, like some bands held out, you know, like um, ACDC. I know they didn't put their catalog on for a long time after Spotify was out and Def yeah. Leppard too, and uh, they probably commanded like you know a penny and a half or maybe even two cents a play. And they're probably making bank on that stuff. And but a band like my uh, size, Beatles were the same way. Yeah, or your size. I mean, like you get like a hundred plays, you get like you know six cents or whatever it is. Probably less than that actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's very strange, right? One other thing we've realized is that once you get, like, say, a album, a particular album on Spotify or or one of these platforms, it is nearly impossible to get it off again. Like, if, if the rights to the music change, if somebody licensed it, mm-hmm. and the right, rights come back to the band, you want to be like, we don't want that on Spotify anymore. They're like, okay, well, here's a hundred page form you have to fill out, and your lawyer needs to sign it, and we're just like, what the fuck? You know, yeah, like, it's exactly. Ridiculous. You can go through a distro kit and just not pay your bill. They'll take it off right away. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's one way to do it. Because, you know, it expires at this time every year. And if you don't want it on there, you just have to wait till like, you know, November or December or whatever. Yeah, whenever, whenever, you, you whenever your uh, su- subscription ends. Yeah. Whenever you exactly. sign up, it's at the end of that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how small bands get it done. Don't pay your bills. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that reminds me of a video I watched over the weekend. It was when I was uh, recouping from the big goddamn metal show, and it was uh, laid back. And he's like, hey, man, uh, laid back here. I'm tr- I, he's like, I'm trying to stay incognito because I'm about to tra- travel through Terre Haute, Indiana, which if you remember back in... 1978 when i was just a young laid-back country picker i uh i found out about columbia house and their home office was up here and i don't know if it's a trap that they're getting me to come this way and they're gonna arrest me when i go through town for not paying my columbia house bill because i skipped out on them yeah that's crazy and i'm just like dude this is great like I love Columbia House shit. Jason and I were talking about this here a while back. Uh, did you do it? I did it, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I had problem problems getting out of it. I remember my mom worked with a bunch of lawyers, and she, like, took the initiative to talk to them and, like, write a formal letter to Columbia House and mail it off. And I think they stopped finally stopped sending me, you know, CDs that I didn't want to mail back. And But I did stock up on my, you know, it was like when I first started my CD collection, I did a pretty good job, you know, kind of expanding it based on what they had. And, but at a certain point, they just don't have anything more that you really want. And then, yeah. and then what do you do? Right. <laughs> that was the problem. Like this collection back here behind me, I would say like 25% is BMG and Columbia House. It has, it has like the oh, tag wow. on the back corner, you know, manufactured for each one. And a lot yep. of them are missing, of course. Um, but yeah. so That's awesome, that though. I yeah. mean, that's the thing of a different time, you know, that you would, that will never, ever come back. Yeah. yeah. I also remember uh, when I first signed up for Netflix and you get, you know, they'd mail you the DVDs and I'd, I was watching the Sopranos and they, you know, I get like two discs at a time and watch them and send them back and wait for the new ones. And yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Streaming is weird. You don't even do that anymore. You know? Yeah. I would, uh, I would get like concert DVDs and stuff. Um, and watch them and then like i would let like people borrow them it's like hoping they would give them back like you know when they're done and it's like hey man can i get that like iron maiden like you know live after death dvd back because like i need to send it off 
to get you know Iron Maiden like made in England. Uh, so right. like, send it off for me, maybe I don't know, but yeah, pretty <laughs> up with that, you know. Right. It's like library books. No shit. That was the library <laughs> books of our young uh, of our twenties or, or early thirties. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, so, uh, bit, uh, I was about to say big goddamn metal show, but I mean, steel and stone fest. Uh, what's the set going to be like? Uh, old and new, uh, all old. I mean, it'll be a lot of old. Um, I think we're playing four tracks off Crest of the Martyrs. Um, Two off of the Isle of Hydra. That's the second album. Uh, one off of the first album. I think we're playing Witch's Eyes. We usually do that. That's like our closing song. Nice. Um, two tracks off the newest album. I think we're probably playing Snow Leopard off of Make It Dark. So, so a pretty versatile set. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I tried to talk Mark and me having you guys play Crest of the Martyrs uh, front to back. Um, but he I would love like, to think we could do was, that, but man, it's... he was like, he was like, uh, no, because like I can't remember, like I might have been like one of you guys didn't know uh, something on reflecting pool, or you couldn't play it for some reason, something like that. So yeah, he was like, yeah, I was like, damn it, I was like, that would have been that would have been like ice on the cake. I get Twisted Tower Dire, the only show in town, and play Crest of the Martyrs in its entirety. I was like, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm fucking done with promoting after this fucking trifecta. <laughs> See now, now you got to do it just to get him to stop doing these yeah, things. I'll book him from I'll book him from now on so they play it in its entirety. It's like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> got to go with inflation. You really got to hit him where it counts. <laughs> if you don't play the whole album, I'm not paying you. That's a stipulation <laughs> I just came up with tonight, day of the show. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, reflecting pool. Paid, so that's not a <laughs> no, no, I'm not like that, dude. Uh, you'll you'll get paid. Uh, reflecting pool is like one of my favorite songs that you guys do. That song's amazing, man. So oh, I love it too. I was, I was bummed when you said you couldn't play it for reasons, but I was like, oh, okay. Well, because Axe has been honor is also equally fucking awesome. I know that would be in the set because. Yeah, we're doing that. Hell yeah. yeah. So we've actually spent a good uh, section of this like whole episode in the derailed segment. So derailed here is usually just five random questions that I pull from decks of cards and just ask. Uh, but I'm also going to have Jason ask some uh, derailed questions as well. Okay. Uh, is it better to be liked or respected? Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about this one. Yeah, but no, that's great. Yeah. I can go my answer on that. What's your answer, Jason? Uh, respected, because even if they don't like you, if you're respected, they have to say something nice about you. Or like something positive about you. Yeah. The guy's a dick, but he's a cool dick. <laughs> It's like the guy's a dick, but man, he can write some songs. Yeah, stuff like that. Or you know, the guy's a dick, but you know he, you know the show, you the shows go on. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I get that. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I guess the, the answer might be different if you're talking about an individual or a whole band too, because uh, you know, maybe maybe it's not different. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think I, mean, I, like I think as a band being liked means that you have people come out, but I think a band being respected, on the other hand, is from other musicians. 
Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah there's, because... There's I mean... I like Iron Maiden, yes, but I also respect Iron Maiden for what they do. But I don't think a lot of, like, quote, you know, normies, non-musicians, I guess, that I don't think they understand the respect for... Some of them do that are just, like, audiophiles. Because, like, you know, I think if Joe Cocker was not a singer, he would have been, like, an audiophile because he's always, like like doing the thing you know playing air yeah. guitar and shit and that's exclusively my impersonation for the uh the video version <laughs> of this so the audio people don't get to see that shit right. yeah. <laughs> um but no like yeah so that's that's where i think i get what you're saying there yeah it's a, it's a tough decision or like it's a i mean i guess uh, and liked versus respected versus your bandmates. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, like to each other. At the end, that's a whole different story. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, Jason, I like you, but fuck you. I don't respect you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he knows that's bullshit. <laughs> he knows I respect the fuck out of him. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, respect's pretty important. Um, bands sometimes pull some shicey stuff or, you know do kind of selfish things maybe I don't want to like pull out specific examples or, call, or throw anybody under the, under the bus but sometimes I'll see a band do something or a member from a band that I'm just like are you kidding me <laughs> like well one thing I can think of is like you know someone that comes and plays a show and then just like immediately packs up their shit and leaves doesn't even like hang around for the rest of the show and and um I always thought that's just a bad taste so, like if you're gonna go to the show and you're gonna participate you should it should go without saying you stay for the whole show if there's an emergency or kids you have to go you know if there's something like really important that's one thing but um you know you're either in or you're out yeah if if later bands have to get there early and sit through you you should show respect and sit through them oh absolutely i agree to that and it it looks better out there in the crowd and plus you know it's like a respect that you know it's so yeah i mean uh my my pet my pet peeve is uh drummers who uh dismantle their drum kit on stage while they're oh, yeah. yes. sitting there standing there waiting on them. Yeah, that's that's my I'll bite after after that I'm just like, dude, fuck you, man. I'm gonna make sure we do that now. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> well the, the the equivalent for guitar players is you walk up to the front of the stage and just start shaking hands and, you know, have yes. people tell you how great you are and like fuck off for twenty minutes and not pack your shit up and leave. And you see plenty of people doing that too and you just yes. want to smack the shit out of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and sometimes it's just as bad uh, at the end of a show, like especially from if you're a promoter and like you know, if it's on like a local level and the guys just fucking go to the bar and drink, and it's just like, come on, guys, we got to close the room out. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like I know you. This is the neighborhood fucking dive. But God damn it, get your shit out of the room. They want to fucking close it. Yeah. It's yeah. A, yeah. like one that thing, thing. If you're on fucking tour, if you're on tour and you do that shit, I am totally fucking cool with it because, you know, you fucking are working. This is your fucking blow off steam moment. You fucking take that time, you know? Right. 
But like, if you're fucking, if you live in town and you're doing that shit, pfft, fuck off, man. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, one thing before we move on to the next question, um, Mark can dismantle his drums on stage all he wants because there's nobody after y'all. So I want to make that clear. <laughs> this isn't this isn't for the headlining bands. For like the bands all before the headlining band. Uh, move your, right. Move your drums off stage and other shit too. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, Jason, what do you have a question for? Well, I don't even know if it's derailed, but I do have some uh, really uh, dorky uh, yeah. uh, questions. So um, you guys recorded uh, Crest of the Martyrs with uh, Pete Silek, who plays mm-hmm. in uh, <clears throat> um, Iron Savior. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you listen to that band still or anything, or do you uh, keep up with what he's doing? Or how, how was he to work with? Did you uh, go to Germany to record that? The... Uh... I think everybody had a different experience with Pete. <laughs> um, I didn't know really what to expect, I guess. I, and it's probably more my fault than his, but, um, yeah, I, I had a certain amount of time budgeted to do, you know, my rhythm tracks and then my guitar leads. And I sat down and, uh, played through, I think we were doing a re-recording of Witch's Eyes from the first album. I think that was the first one we did. I, and I played through my rhythm tracks. He said, Oh, that's great. Okay. You know, you're a very consistent rhythm player. You're going to play the rhythms on the whole album. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I don't have time to do that. And he's like, well, this is what we have to do. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to have time to finish all my stuff. And like from day one, it was like stress from that point on. And hmm. it was not good. <laughs> um, Mark had some problems with him too. And uh, I think Scott and Jim got along with him really well. And Tony did too. Uh, so it was just very much like a personality thing and, and what he was asking each member to do, like what role to fill. Um, I don't think I really knew what to expect when we went there. And I personally didn't really expect him to, I mean, he was producing the album, but I, I guess I assumed he would try to like kind of capture our magic rather than kind of like, it felt like he was just kind of like running us through like a, a power metal meat grinder that he, that he uses on his band and, Storm Warrior and all these other bands, Paragon, they all kind of had a very same production sound, you know. Um, I think that's kind of how he was working back then. So I, I didn't expect that at all. And it kind of irritated the shit out of me for a while. <laughs> right. Um, but eventually I got past it, and, you know, it is what it is. And it's ironically, it's the one album that most people would pick out as their favorite, which is kind of interesting, too, because it was such a difficult one for several of us to record um and it was also like there's terrible weather it was like freezing rain snowing the whole time in germany or taking public transportation we we're all there at different times there's like one or two of us there at each time we weren't all together um because that's just how we had to do it with our vacation and stuff it was a just a very weird experience um difficult <laughs> Wow. But we got past it. It's better now. <laughs> That's cool. Do you, do you listen to his uh, band, any? Iron Savior? Um, a little bit. I mean, he, he's a very, very talented musician. Um, I, I think Iron Savior is a great band. I'm not, like, a super huge fan of theirs. Um, I think he actually – I think he worked on – he didn't produce, but I think he was, like, one of the head engineers on um, Blind Guardian's Nightfall of Middle-Earth. And that's like one of my favorite power metal albums right. of all time. So I, I, I think it's cool that he worked on that just because that's like one of my favorite 
power metal albums. Um, so yeah, I'm not like a huge Iron Savior, you know, follower or anything like that. Well, I just uh, I just found out about him like back in 2019, I think. It was actually, uh-huh. believe it or not, a Spotify recommendation. I was like, oh, this cover looks cool. And like, oh, this is like, whoa, man, this is actually really good. And he had like 30 years worth of albums. Like, holy shit, man. I just like hit the jackpot on like power metal. I can like just listen to it anytime. But his new one, they put out uh, Firestar, man. I was like, wow, this is this is next some next level like songwriting on this on this album. It's really okay, cool. cool. So yeah, just check it out, man. I think uh, the Firestar album is really good. Yeah. yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, so this is one that's off the cuff and very topical because this one is not actually coming from the deck of cards. This is, I want to know your opinion. Have you listened to the new uh, Judas Priest Panic Attack single? I have not actually heard that yet. Wow. Um, yeah, I wish I had a, I, I wish I had heard it so I could... I, I, I was aware that it was coming. I didn't know it was out yet, I guess Okay. Yeah, I'm really good at like not getting on social media for a couple of days and missing things like that. You know? Right. Yeah. I think they released it way too early compared to when the album's coming out, but I guess that's what they do now to get a little bit of money coming in to pay for stuff. But uh, yeah, I dig it. It's a. Uh, it's kind of like um, Turbo meets uh, Painkiller with like modern production. Yeah, so, I could see that. Stuff, you know, I dig it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, somebody that I know posted something about it, like, um, KK seriously gonna fucking continue to clown on Judas Priest when they come, when they drop what they're dropping now yeah. versus what he's dropping. I was to that first KK Priest album and I was like, dude, it was like, it's just like a wank fest. He's like, oh yeah, I can solo over the solos. Watch this. Like, dude, this sounds like <laughs> it's like what? What the fuck is this? You know, it's like, and then like the new one, like his third one's probably gonna be called like More Invincible Shield or something like that. You know, like he just can't, <laughs> like he just can't get over. It. Like, dude, you you quit the band, you wrote him nasty letters, and you sold all your rights. Like, what the fuck? What do you have left in this band that you think you're owed? You know, it's like you quit. Um, I mean, I don't. And he's always like bitching, like, yeah, they didn't invite me back, blah, blah, blah. I like, dude, I probably wouldn't have either, to tell you the honest truth, man. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know what's with that dude. That dude's just like off his fucking rocker, man. He's, what it is is he's desperate for money because he, like, wasted it all on some golf course. And now he's like, oh, I got I to gotta make some money, you know? So, like, yeah, what better way to, like, jump on Judas Priest's name with KK's Priest? It's like, that's not even a good name, you know? <laughs> it's like, I, I just don't get it, man. Yeah, it's very obtuse and kind of... Yeah, yeah, ridiculous, actually, and you know, shame on them for never, shame on them for not ever replying back to emails about asking fucking for interviews. Even even if they would have said, "Hey, Duke him a hundred bucks," and you know, buy a cameo. Oh, you hit up? Did you hit up KK's Priest for uh, Metal Forge? Yeah, a few times. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, one time I was told KK is not accepting any press at this time. Uh, and the other time was like, let me check back. Mm-hmm. And like a couple of weeks went by and I sent a reply and a follow up and never heard back. So, and that's been like yeah. a year ago. They'd be all right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So a little bonus question here. And then Jason can ask a, another one. Which of the Beatles do you think would be one of the, the best to hang out with? Oh man. Best to hang out with, like just alone. Yeah, you and them. Because okay. if I had to, if I had to hang out with Yoko, 
John Lennon's definitely off the fucking list. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with that. I've never been very impressed with her. No, n- nobody is. <laughs> Dude, I just remember... Well, I, mean, her, I, I, I remember I, a fucking NPR interview with her. And she would she was like fucking real condescending like back in the 60s the existentialist John and I would call them exes <laughs> it's like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah it's really bad you really every time I hear her or see her perform or whatever I hear her talk I'm just like yeah yeah just wow, who cares <laughs> it's, it's like, like <laughs> it's like you, you remember that scene in Scanners no <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Um, dude, I love the fucking Chuck Berry videos with John and Yoko. And she starts that fucking howling shit. And fucking yeah. Chuck just turns around and looks at her and looks at John. And fucking is rolling his eyes the entire time as those two are playing <laughs> guitar. And he's just like, every time her mouth is open, he's just like, Holy shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Paul would be an interesting guy to talk to. I mean, he seems super polite and, you know, nice and stuff. Yeah. Um, Ringo seems like a goofball, so he's probably the easiest, more laid, laid back guy to hang out with. And Yeah, he seems like George a clown, been, yeah. <laughs> George has always been kind of a mystery to me. Like, he, he was always kind of like back in the shadows. Just See, I'd like to hang out with George. George would have been mine. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, think about this. George was cool. He had a wife that Eric Clapton wanted. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and even, you know, played on a lot of shit with him. So, hell yeah. That's a good one. Jason, you got another one. What do you think the last uh, CD you got from uh, Columbia House was? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um... The last one. I remember getting several Led Zeppelin CDs. I mean, I just just got my first CD player. It was a boombox with a CD player in it, you know? Oh, yeah, man. And I was like, oh, I got to replace all of my, you know, all my tapes with, with uh, CDs now. Um, I know I had Houses of the Holy that came from Columbia House. I'm trying to think of, like, the last. I mean, it must have been something terrible because it was probably, I probably, oh, no, it showed up, you know, that you see that box. You're like, God damn it, they sent another one. And then you open it up and you're like, what is this garbage? You know, I, I can't remember what the last one was, but I'm sure it was something I, I despised because I cried to my mom to, to get her lawyer friends to get me out of the contract. And God, I'm trying to remember if I had any like real stinkers that came through. Cause they went to, it seems like if you didn't tell them what you wanted, they kind of like sent you anything like, either threw anything at you or tried to like guess based on what you'd already bought or, or requested. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember ever getting anything I didn't order to be honest with you. Yeah, oh, they definitely that. Maybe that was like a later tactic or something. Yeah, yeah maybe, they, or maybe that. Was, I did mostly BMG. I think I went to Columbia House at the end when I was like BMG was like, "Yeah, we're done with you." I was like, "Okay, I'll just go to the other one." Get more. Here, um, here's one that's interesting. Did you ever, uh, when you went to get your first cell phone and you did not have good credit because BMG and Columbia House were on there and you had to pay the fucking deductible? No, I don't remember <laughs> that. But my first cell phone, my dad got me, so... Oh, yeah, I had to. Fucking, my first cell phone that I got was on my own, and fucking, like, yeah. Fucking... <laughs> they're like, you have a 
you have a bad credit score based on it looks like here uh Columbia House. It's like fucking everybody does. And I had to pay a deposit on on my first phone of like 500 bucks. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. I remember yeah. um, wow. I remember when my dad got a phone, I put it on his plan. And it was like you got like 25 outgoing minutes. I was like, okay. <laughs> that was like a lot, you know. It was like, oh, and nights and weekends got unlimited. So it's like from seven to like six in the morning, you had unlimited. And on weekends and holidays, you had unlimited. But God forbid you had to make a call during the day. It's like, you got to keep it quick. I only got 23 more minutes. Yeah. This month. You know, it's like some crazy shit, man. And text so messages cost 10 cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe it used to be a thing. Dude. And it's picture like, messages cost 50. Yeah. And like you have to like buy a ringtone off like the the company store <laughs> for your phone and shit, you know? Yeah. So, like, I had to pay like three ninety nine for like the good, bad, and the ugly theme to ring, you know, when a phone. Because <laughs> like they really didn't have anything I wanted, you know. Uh, that was the only thing, cool thing I could find. And you know, and the funny thing is, like Verizon prepay was fucking like they would take it off of your minute count. Oh really? Yeah, you could that. you would fucking on your like if you had a fifty dollar phone card that you put on there and you ordered a fucking a ringtone, right. it would take it like the equivalent amount off of your fucking minute count. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, see, I had um the first company I had a cell phone was called Bell Bell Atlantic Mobile, which was like which was like uh, one of the companies that AT and T ended up absorbing. Yeah, it was like sense. from a merger, then a merger, and then AT and T like bought that company that merged with those two, and then like yeah, so that's who I had. So yeah, I've I was a prehistoric fucking cell phone stories, dude. I still have, I still have my dad's first bag phone, dude. Like I'll, <laughs> the phones in the bag, yeah. Like it had like oh, the yeah. receiver said it was like a regular phone. Yeah, I still have that. He was he was proud of that. Fifteen minutes a month. If I called him, he'd be pissed. I'm like, well, you told me to call you if I needed something. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember my brother in law gave me one, and, and uh, I was like, Well, what do I do with this? And he said, Well, you keep it in the trunk, and if you get in an accident and you're stuck out somewhere and need to call, you can, you know, plug it in and call. I'm like, Well, how is it going to work? You know, like, I didn't, he's like, There's no plan or anything. He's like, Oh, well, if it's an emergency, you can, you can still use it. I'm like, I don't think so, dude. Like, it. And I never used it. It just sat in the trunk, and I forgot it was even in there. Yeah, nine one one was free. I remember that. Like you could call nine one one unlimited, unlimited minutes, of course, because they had to find you and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I even remember like uh, like when you watch movies like from the nineties and they're like on their cell phone, like the fucking antenna is like three feet long, like a big yeah. whip and yeah, shit. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> dude, I love <laughs> like, dude. That's what I love about uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is because it's all in phone booths. Yeah, you know, it's like get to the phone booth at this place. Yeah, but at the time, phone booths were plentiful. You know? Yeah, so it made sense. That's you why know, I still it now, like, like watching man. it. Yeah, it's like now I'm really going back in the past here on this stuff. Should be dinosaurs walking by or something soon because it's so far back. <laughs> right? No shit. That's what the fucking kids today think. I'm sure. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> isn't this part of Jurassic Park? <laughs> Watching my stepson try to put in a, ta- a cassette tape for the first time absolutely fucking cracked me up because he couldn't do it. <laughs> what do these two things have in common? <laughs> a, a pen it's like, fucking... look at the shape, look at the slot. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have one more question, but before we get to it, as always, links are listed below. So please give a like, share, and a follow. Go listen to music. Go buy music uh, at a show called Steel and Stone Fest because I'm sure they're going to have a fucking awesome merch booth while they're there. Dude, that merch booth, that merch table is going to be pretty insane, dude. Yeah, I mean, because fucking Overload has some weird merch. And yeah, I think we might have to get some more printed now. Uh, aside from that, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be an insane merch booth. So, you know, uh, you know, anywhere you can find their stuff, it'll be listed below. Dude, David, do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody today? Uh, who, who deserves a shout out? Let's see. <laughs> Mark, um, that, that's who I've been communicating with for, for the uh, fest details. Yeah. Shout out Mark. Mark needs oh, yeah, a shout Mark. out, yeah, because yeah, you I'm know. also here today because he's in Mexico, so you know, fuck him. <laughs> Dude, watch out for cartels, man. If you if you're listening to this, oh, I tell that every time he tells me he's gone. Yeah, he goes every yeah. year. I'm like, dude, you're gonna get kidnapped one day. It's not gonna be good. And no, no, they don't do that. The resorts where we go. I'm like, okay, we'll see. Well, he is the drummer of Twisted Tower Dar. I mean, I'd throw that. I'd be like, hey, you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> For a higher ransom, <laughs> right? You know that's <laughs> that's Spotify so number, fucking weird, not. though, dude. Like in White Line Fever, if you mm-hmm. uh, read about that shit from like Lemmy's perspective, when they went into fucking Colombia for the first time, and yeah. it was like fucking guided by the military, and they were fucking sure that the fucking military was going to fucking take them ran- uh, hostage. Yeah. Until fucking other fucking people showed up. Dude, there's a band that me wow. and you know. I'm not going to say it just because it's none of my business. Uh, I think it was told to me in, in um, whatever it's called, um, Good Faith, that uh, a band had to pay uh, uh, for a police escort to come home through Mexico. It basically pay or don't make it home kind of thing. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this later. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that in the, in the, uh, in the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, fucking yeah, shout out to him for sure because I was even talking to him and trying to coordinate shit <laughs> for this. Yeah. One obvious person I can give a shout out to is, is sitting right here is uh Jason for putting on this incredible fest and oh, thank we're you. very uh very honored to be headlining it and um excited to be playing it. He actually gave us an excuse to get out and, and play a show this year, so <laughs> hell yeah, dude. Dude, I'll be honest with you, I was a little nervous to ask. I was like, man, I was like, these guys are like They've been around a long time. They play like Bakken and like all these big fests. And like, here I am inviting them to this like dive bar with like a step for a stage. Like, is this going to be insulting to them or like what? <laughs> and then, so like, I started like watching videos. Like, well, let me see what other venues they play that might look like this. And the first video, live video I found of you guys was at like a, some dive bar with a step. I was like, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is okay. But I said, I don't want to insult anybody, you know, like. Because, like, you know, a lot of bands are like, we need a stage that's, like, X amount of, off the floor high. We need this wide. We need these kind of lights with this mixing board, minimum channels and stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, we'll see. But, yeah, after I started talking to Mark, he's like, yeah, man, sounds cool. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Right. I'll be in touch. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, honestly, man, like, to me with stuff like that is, hey, the the dive with the step is fucking cool. You know, I love playing the dive with the step. And honestly, I guarantee, and I know there's video proof of certain bands that, you know, we talked about in a, in a segment earlier that we didn't mention names on, um, that they love going back to the dives and playing them too under fake names. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. so 
yeah, everybody still loves playing the dive. As much as we love playing the fucking, you know, the four-foot-tall stage. Right. The the absurdly right. large fucking drum riser. You know, the drum riser <laughs> that we all look at and are like, are you fucking serious? It's like, like a ass drum riser. How the fuck am I going to get up there and not fall off? Yeah. You know? Yeah, Megan, the drum riser is really high up there. But, yeah. Like, where is this guy? I need binoculars. I'm on the front row. I can't see him out there. You know, <laughs> and I, that's one of the things I absolutely hate of fucking like their riser and Nico's riser. Like if you don't look at, but if you don't get like a center seat for those two bands, like you cannot see the drummers at all. Right. Like well, Nico's problem is he has so many damn symbols. It's hard to see him. Anyway. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You really have to watch Nico from the fucking cameras. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I did say uh, one of the big four names, so... Yeah, I know. I heard yeah. you. Now, you got to put money in the can, <laughs> motherfucker. I did it. <laughs> uh, so, dude, David, my final question of the day is, all right, the phone's ringing, and you're getting the knock at the door. It's the one band that you can't say no to playing with. They're saying, dude, we need your guitar skills. We need you. Who is it? Oh, man. I could go so many different directions with that. Um, hmm. Maybe it's on his hat. Maybe uh, it's not. I'd be terrified to try to play with him. Was, yeah. But Phil's Honestly. here. But Phil's here. Actually, legitimately. Like, Phil's here, man. Look, look <laughs> over here. So, ah, shit, where'd he go? <laughs> froze up here. Uh, I'm a dumbass. I mean, <laughs> ah, a, good, a good one. Derailed. There he is. Oh, He's back. back. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see Phil on the wall? No, it froze yes. up. It froze up. <laughs> ah, Phil's here, man. Phil, Phil's knocking at the door. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it then Lizzie? I think, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything better. I mean, I love Thin Lizzy. I just, there's there's no way in hell I can keep up with any of the guitar players that I've ever played for that band, including Snowy. And he was pretty good, too. <laughs> right. I mean, even uh, Brian Robertson? And he's pretty good, yeah, when yeah. he's sober. I mean, yeah, you know. very, very true. And I mean, because, you know, Brian Robertson was in Motorhead also, so. Yeah, yeah. One album, at least. Was it one or two? It was one. And and it was uh at, at their time it was their worst selling album, right? <laughs> because it was so different. And now like the my generation love that album because it's so different. Yeah, <laughs> because it's yeah. like Thin Lizzy Motorhead. It's not terrible. I don't I don't hate that album. No, another perfect day is good. Um, dude, hell yeah. This has been such an awesome, awesome conversation. David, thank you so fucking much. I am looking forward to seeing you guys at Steel and Stone. Jason, thank you so fucking much. Yeah, and man, I'm looking uh, forward to a, seeing you at Steel and Stone. <laughs> I want to make a, I make a well, some of a milestone announcement for me. Um, as of about 30 minutes ago when I asked, we have seven pre-sales, so... <laughs> So thank you everyone who who has uh bought a ticket in advance um because i'm giving away uh cds to all pre-sale um 
buyers compilation CDs, and then um, I'll have some uh, posters also. I was going to include. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you hear this and think about going, you get a comp CD and a, and a poster uh, with your presale. So, um, so yeah, dude, get those presales in. I will tell you now, presales. Thank you. Because yep. I was not expecting so many presales uh, for the big goddamn metal show. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're a little bit more because you got to pay like fees and shit afterwards. So I want to like incentivize by giving you some more stuff to make up for those like extra fees. Dude, David, on the way out today, what do you want to play? What do I want to play? Uh, I think Light the Swords on Fire is a good one off the last album. I don't know if you can get to that or not, but sure. So you heard him. This is Let the Swords on Fire.
ready for a night of face-melting metal. Friday, November 10th at The Odd in West Asheville. It is the return of the annual Steel and Stone Fest, featuring the only performance of the year from the North Carolina power metal legends, Twisted Tower Dive. The rest of the lineup includes metal bands from Asheville and surrounding areas. Children of the Reptile, Oblivion Throne, Overload, Temptations Wings, and All Hell. $12 in advance, 15 at the door. First 50 people get a free comp CD. Doors are at 4, the music is at 7. For advanced tickets, go to stealingstonefest.com. Be there. In 2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground. 
from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine, an independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.com bigcartel.com What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at... 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. 
Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only. So give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana is the premier 12,500 square foot music superstore that has served both Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky metro area for over four decades. Originally founded by Marvin and Beverly Maxwell in the 70s, this gym remains a Maxwell family-owned business. Mark Maxwell, along with his business partner, Whitney McNichol, continued the reputation as being the national resource for all things music. In 2022, the iconic Guitar Emporium of Louisville relocated to Maxwell's Music, creating the largest independently owned showroom in the region. The retail offerings at Maxwell's Music includes a huge selection of guitars, basses, amplifiers, effects pedals, modeling amps, keyboards, drums, banjos, mandolins, ukuleles, sound systems, stage lighting equipment, and accessories. The music education program at Maxwell's is second to none. From private instrument and voice lessons to DJ, EDM, recording, songwriting, and music theory, to Rock School, Weekend Warriors, and Maxwell's Music Lab, there is something for every age and every ability level. Down in repair land, guitar and instrument repairs and refurbishment are taken care of by the Maxwell's team of expert guitar technicians and luthiers. They also do appraisals of instruments as well. Maxwell's offers installations for professional audio, visual, and lighting systems for schools, churches, clubs, VFWs, funeral homes, sports fields, and so much more. There's also rentable space at Maxwell's, from the music practice and rehearsal rooms for the individuals and bands, all the way to a meeting space and concert venue that seats up to 120. That also includes a professional audio, visual, and lighting system and a sound booth. Maxwell's has it all. All this plus original functioning 1947 recording booth to make your own record. Go to the Guitar Hero Throne, to the very own Elvis statue, and don't forget the Harmony Green Pocket Park. There's a reason the Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana has been recognized by the National Association of Music Merchants as a number one award-winning best store design, as well as top 100 music store year after year. You gotta see it to believe it. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana. (laughs) 